Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and today I want to introduce uh, a few guys that I got to chat with. Uh, one was Dr. Frank Merritt, and a good friend of the show then, too, uh, Phil White, who's written some awesome books with some amazing people, and the one that uh, they have coming out right now is The 17-Hour Fast, and I love just the simplicity uh, that they were both able to boil this down to because fasting has become such a hip, maybe trendy thing to do right now, but that's not what this is really about for them. You could see like just the passion for health and trying to just make this work for people, not something where they have to like really extend it and, and try and make it a difficult part of their lives, but really just get the most bang for your buck and Hey, I think enjoy it and really get the most out of it. And there's a ton of good uh, tidbits in here. So I really hope you guys enjoy and make sure go out and check out the book, The 17 Hour Fast. Certainly a very good read. All right, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And today on the line, I get to uh, interview again, Phil White. Uh, But with Phil White today, we have Dr. Frank Merritt. Now, Phil, I've heard a little bit about your story, but uh, Dr. Merritt, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of your background, just health, wellness, just the whole journey uh, and where you're at really at this point with that. Oh, wow. That's a that's a big one. I'm 47 years old, so there's been a long journey. But um, yeah, <laughs> let's let's hear some you know, of the big highlights for you. What, what were some of the takeaways? I, you know, where we are right now in, in regard to the book, um, you know, the, the, obviously I went to medical school before that I did uh, undergrad and was able to uh, do some research and, and have publications at, as an undergrad at Pepperdine University over in, uh, in California. And um, yeah, then I went to medical school and, and residency. When I, when I got out my first year uh, practicing medicine, uh, my best friend uh, moved into town and named Jason Smith and his wife, Kim. And, um, you know, we were same ages and same part in life. He was uh, just finished law school and was about to start his first law practice. And we'd been practicing medicine for about a year. So we became instant best friends. And um, one day he was working out and he passed out. But, you know, he, he was a pretty intense guy. And so they thought, OK, let's just get you checked out, get a few things checked. So he got an MRI and um, the routine MRI was nothing routine. It was uh, he, he was diagnosed with one of the worst forms of brain cancer and initial prognosis was about six months to live. And so here's, here's a guy that's, you know, 31 years old, um, just starting life, got a wife, you know, dreaming of having a life with kids and practice and, you know, all the stuff. And, and he's given, he's got six months to live. And so we definitely um, got him involved in some of the, the best uh, traditional medical doctors, oncologists, surgeons, radiation oncology that you can find. But then we wanted to couple it with more. And that was really led by his wife, Kim, to say, hey, there's got to be more. Hey, how, how can we organize this? How can we orchestrate it, uh, synchronize it so that Jason has a better outcome than expected? And um, and that's really that's really where looking back this this whole concept of a a balanced approach uh laird hamilton called it a a hybrid health which i thought was really good um that's where it all started looking back and long story short jason did not live just six months he lived over seven years at the time set a few united states records for the longest life lived um he he had three brain surgeries, multiple radiations, multiple chemotherapies during that period. Uh, because of the treatment, he was not expected to have children. He fathered two children, which are my godchildren today. Um, he was not expected to be of sound mind to practice law, much less you know anything else. He practiced law until uh, one month before he passed away in in two thousand nine, and um, so. What we saw was the great potential, not any one ingredient. And I, I like to use, uh, you know, the metaphor or analogies of, of cooking. You know, uh, uh, you can give two different chefs the exact same ingredients and same quantities, and one makes a great meal, and the other one makes an average meal. 
I think that's the same way with our lives and with medical practice. You know, there's there's chemotherapies and there's there's radiation and there's nutrition and there's fasting and there's thermal therapies. But one person can cook it better than the other. And and so what we really looked at is how do we put these different things? And a lot of our emphasis was on recovery. And I'll get to that in a little bit, but just simple math, if there's 24 hours a day and you work out 30 minutes really, really hard with hit, and you, you, you rest for 23 and a half hours, well, then you can multiply that workout times one, you multiply the recovery times, you know, uh, 47. And so really the, the bang for the buck was the recovery time. And so we, we even had that thought process with Jason that, hey, we got chemo here, we got radiation, we got surgery, we got those things. But let's really focus on the recovery, which we thought was kind of the low-lying fruit, just from a mathematical point. And <clears throat> I don't want to take any credit away from the, the talented uh, medical personnel, nurses, et cetera, because definitely they played a part. I want to, uh, Jason had a faith in God, and definitely we know scientifically that having a faith in, you know, having a faith makes you at a better point, too. So I don't want to take any any credit away from, from God or from people like that, but, but you know, we really saw that that could happen in a, in a, the last time I saw Jason on this earth, um, didn't know it at the time because we had beaten this thing so many times we'd kind of stolen, you know, the, the thrill of death away from the Grim Reaper so many times I figured we would do it again. And, uh, but Jason looks at me uh, in his rocking chair, um, when we took my son Levi to meet Jason and, um, so glad he had a chance to meet him before he passed. But uh, Jason looked me in the eye and, and said, I want you to take all this that we've figured out and I want you to help other people with it. And I thought, yeah, yeah, we're helping other people because we're already sharing. He said, no, I really want you to put it together and promise me that you'll get it out there. And, uh, you know, didn't know it, but that was the last time I saw Jason. And, uh, and so... Anyway, life gets busy. You try to get through stuff. You build a family, you build a practice. You, you know, I became director of an ER, a big ER. We became a trauma center. And it would, wouldn't be until uh, the Pipeline Masters where I was a doctor and doing stuff. And I was in the backyard, Jack Johnson's family. We, we, we had, you know, they're good people and let us stay there with our family. So we're at Jack's mom's backyard, love people. And uh, talking to a lot of the guys back there who you would know as celebrities, but you know, it's, we're not here to name drop. We're really, the point was they, they challenged me as the fact that I hadn't kept this commitment to the level they thought that should have been kept. And I didn't, you know, my excuses initially were, well, I'm not, I'm not a celebrity. I don't have a hundred million dollars, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, but in the end they were right. So in the next two months um, I made a decision to, to leave, uh, you know, all that uh, you get with your accolades of medicine and, and traditional pursuit and the, the titles and the money. And we decided to really pursue this dream, took off to California, had a great first sabbatical. Um, and a lot of a lot of friends that we knew, athletes, celebrities that we had worked with in the past came in. It really, really were just super supportive in so many different ways. My former college, Pepperdine University, was super supportive. And we just went there and we, they gave us a dorm room. I thought, you know, we just said, we just want a dorm room. We kind of, kind of like camping out for the whole summer. You know, you don't have a whole lot, don't have TV, don't have your furniture, but it was really a pure experience. And my wife and I and others got a lot of research done. My kids played and we didn't know it, but then we got back and we talked to people and they said, man, this is really, you got some good, good data here and you got some good stuff and you need to form a company. And so one night I stayed up too late and got delirious and came up with the name Vitality Pro. Probably should have come up with a better name if I knew it was going to be a company. <laughs> and so anyway, we're, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're almost three years into this. Um, and we're still trying to figure out what we do at Vitality Pro. But I think the key thing is we've had some really great, we've had pharmaceutical companies come and offer some money for some of our stuff. We've had buyouts in the million dollars. Um, but it's really not what, what Jason had envisioned, I don't believe, and that's where I come back to every time. I don't think we're here to, to be successful the way the world usually quantifies that. I think we're here to create difference, and if that is moving the needle for one person or for all seven billion on this earth, that that's what Jason asked me to do, and that's what we will do. And I think the interesting thing is we have found that 
there's a lot of great science out there, obviously, but who's interpreting it correctly? Who is t- taking that correct interpretation and synchronizing, choreographing it into a simple, uh, approachable way that people can, can understand? I mean, you go on Yahoo one day on Monday and it tells you tomatoes are great for you. And the next on Friday, they tell you tomatoes will kill you. And, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's really no way to put this into your life. And, and then we looked at the, the textbooks and a lot of the lifestyle diseases that pr- pretty much attribute for over 90% of the, the reasons we die in developed countries. And when I say lifestyle disease, I'm talking about diabetes type 2, hypertension, uh, cholesterol, which then cause heart disease, strokes, you know, and, and obesity causes cancer. Um, we, we saw that they said lifestyle modification. Every chapter in the treatment starts with what first try lifestyle modification, first try lifestyle modification. Well, if you ask a doctor, um, they're going to say diet and exercise. But what diet? What exercise? You know, I've got diabetes. Is that the same diet and exercise as somebody with cholesterol and the same as somebody that fights, you know, Parkinson's disease? And so the pharmaceutical companies, you know, I'm not here to bash. And, and it's funny, I'm kind of in no man's land because I'm not going to get with the conspiracy theories that pharmaceuticals are evil. And I'm not going to go over here and say essential oils are evil. We're here to be a balanced <laughs> and objective. And, and both camps constantly try to pull us over into their side, and, and we just won't participate. We, we're here for a balanced approach, what helps people, and that, that is to put the minimum effective dose of everything in your life that makes you live longer, hopefully, live better, so, so you got longevity, you got vitality. Um, it, it, at times, some people really want performance, which, you know, performance is different than longevity. It's different than vitality. It, there's some overlap, but, you know, an NFL football player or, you know, a, a rugby team over in Australia, they're going to want things different than the little Okinawan lady that wants to live into the into her hundreds, highly functional. So we're, we're here really taking that same science that maybe pharmaceuticals are being made of and so like that. And we're just making lifestyle modifications for people. And voila, the 17-hour fast is really a conglomerate of macronutrients, um, endocrinology things, um, you know, h- how, we, how we can, you know, relax and get ourselves into parasympathetic recovery mode. Um, you know, so that we can really recover how we can have better stage three non-REM sleep. And so this book, when you read it, you go, okay, they're fasting for 17 hours. Big deal. I've heard of the 16 and eight deal and all this other, but there's a lot of ingredients. I mean, there's, there's, you know, easily, um, 17 years of ingredients chopped in here. And even though you can't see everyone, you know, or taste it necessarily, it's, there's a lot of calculations in there from behavioral psychologists, endocrinologists, et cetera. And my rule is that I've got to be, the, I've got to be the dumbest person at Vitality Pro. And I want to keep it that way. We, we are so blessed. We're really talented people. I'm just the guy keeping the promise. That's really what, what my role is here. And to, and to try to keep us going in the right direction. So that's, does that kind of hit it for you? I, I think that gives us a few things to chat about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's a good point. What, what I'm curious, actually, Phil, let's get you in here a little bit too. I'm curious, Phil, like what, when you guys were working on this book, Phil, what changed for you? What changed in your life as well? Uh, because I mean, obviously you're getting all of this other information and helping put it together. Like what, what did you do with it for yourself? Yeah, well, absolutely. So, um, I think one thing is my wife and I started doing the fast, you know, and we did it, did it a few times with the kids as well. And, um, yeah, really just started to see just really good results. And one of them was just, um, quite simply resilience. And, you know, in, in unplugged, we kind of touch on this with, um, with my co-authors there, Andy Galpin and Brian McKenzie, who we should credit with, uh, with actually making this project happen with bringing Frank and I together. Um, as and you that know, was going to be was, another question. I had yeah. Frank, too. Frank yeah. was featured in, um, in unplugged and, and, and uh, his colleague, Brandon Rager at Vitality Pro as well. And then beyond that, Brian just said, Hey, you know, you, I think there's a book here with Frank somewhere. And then we just kept lines of communication open. And, uh, one day Frank, called me early and uh before i was up he knows i'm a, a, i'm a lazy bum slash i i work late a lot i write late a lot and you know that as well nick and so uh so it went to voicemail and a couple hours later when i got up i got it and um he said hey buddy i think uh 
think I got the you know the project finally crystallized and uh, how about we write the 17 hour fast and so so we went down this road together and I think with anything one thing I learned from Brian is that you you've got to be willing to take your own medicine and so I thought okay well I'll, I'll try this out and um, what I found was just how unresilient I really am Nick to be honest with regard to needing to eat every couple of hours and uh you know always even with post-workout you know i would always panic if i didn't get my you know 20 grams of protein within 20 minutes you know you miss your protein window you're 30 grams in 30 minutes um and, and on the flip side of that you know before a workout if i didn't have a at least a handful of almonds and an apple i'd be freaking out and just mentally take myself out of the game um and so what uh what doing the fast enabled me to do is realize that I could actually exercise um, unfueled, as it were, traditionally in terms, terms of having that quick hit of glucose. And then really that I could go 17 hours, 24 hours, whatever it was without, um, you know, once I got past the mental barrier of, oh, I don't know if I can do this, that really it did make me more resilient it um I, I found also cognitively that I could perform well, whether I was doing an interview like this or interviewing someone for another book or whatever it was. And that, um, yeah, really, I have these preconceptions about fasting, that it's going to make me sluggish physically and mentally, that it's going to make me twitchy, you know, and everything else. And so once Nicole and I had actually tried it out for ourselves, we realized that that wasn't actually the case and it was making us um, far more resilient. And uh, yeah, frankly, now I, I, I almost do every day as a kind of intermittent fast. And then sometimes I go longer to 17 hours or or above. And so really what it's done is just changed my daily um, habits. And again, in one way, at least made me far more far more resilient and far less de dependent on quick hits of uh, of simple carbs. No, and that's great. And this is like this is perfect leading because, all right, there's like you said there's the eight hour, there's the 17 hour, there's the 24 hour, there's the week long fast. I mean, like there are countless numbers of fasts and everybody's coming up with it, but it sounds like this is a very calculated choice. And that's something that I'm very intrigued by to know, like, okay, what stands behind the 17 hours? Like what is so profound about that number? And does it come back to like, you were talking about like minimum effective dose, because that's what I think a lot of people are looking for. Like give us the most bang for our buck when we're doing stuff here. Yeah, um, well, you know, <clears throat> just everybody's got different calculations. So what we did is we we looked at a lot of different data, and we we calculated it, and it was just under 17 hours. So we you know we we went ahead and made it a nice even hour number. So it, it just looked like the data was pointing to 17 hours because, so, you know, what was happening is, um, you're, it's kind of like some of our calculations for hit. We 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 calculate that hit, you know, going to hit. Is, about seven to eight minutes, you kind of maximize the benefit, but you're starting to have an increase in injury load. So we actually jump in the ice bath for about 51 seconds, and then we start to hit the seven minutes ahead again. You know, so you're always trying to hit the maximum amount of benefit without the toxic, you know, uh, uh, things that happen. What, no matter if it be the training or, or whatever. So fasting is the same way. So what happens when you fast? Obviously, you have some good things happening, but you know, as you keep on going longer into the fast, you start getting some rebound bad effects. You know what happens with cortisol or testosterone or ghrelin. You start to see these things that can actually set you up for failure. And and so we put all of the good things that are happening as you fast longer up, up against all the bad things that are happening. And I'm just trying to make it in very simple terms for everybody. And it looked like 17 hours was the was the magic number. And it'd be nice if it was even, you know, like 16 or 18, but it wasn't, it was, it, it was, it wasn't, and, and it was in truthfully, it was 17 hours, but that, it wasn't just that it was now synchronizing it with the diurnal, you know, pattern that makes sense with our hormones, um, and, and, and doing that. And then it was trying to maximize the effect. And I think we do get, you know, nobody can question this and it sounds like the, the it sounds like a advertorial type thing, but we have we have no protein powder to sell. We have no you know fat to sell. But there's a book, I guess, to sell. But we're trying to do what Jason told us to do. So you know, it was just trying to make a better fasting. And it started with him. How do we how do we get the effect of a maybe a 24 or 36 or 48 hour fast? These benefits over here, X, Y, and Z, 
but not get the toxic levels of, of TUV, you know. And, and so the 17 hours was great, and putting it right there from 7 o'clock at night until 12 the next day seemed to be the, the best option as you look at the whole 24-hour period, what happens to people's hormones, you know, your growth hormone, your testosterone surge during night during stage three of non-REM. You know, it's, it's you know, what, what happens to serotonin and melatonin, all these things that are going. And, and, and then we, like I said, there's so many ingredients in here. And so, so you're hearing just different ingredients now starting to, that we're talking about. The other thing is the, the macronutrients before, so in the pre-fast supper, and also the ones in the post-fast. And, and even the ones in the post-fast are, you know, if you want just longevity and vitality, that's the general, that's the original recipe. If you, in Kentucky Fried Chicken has the original recipe. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the original recipe, but then we've got a high performers uh, thing for people that need to gain muscle and whatever. There's, there's a different post formula for those guys. And so and we didn't want to, you know, have five different formulas. So we just left it at two and let people tinker with it themselves. But to, to be short, everything here is pretty, pretty nerdily uh, calculated, to be honest with you. And we rely, we relied on a lot of people. What's really cool about it is that we didn't just uh, nerd out scientifically about this with a bunch of doctors and PhDs and stuff. We also just went back historically. You look at uh, a lot of cultures, a lot of religions. I mean, the, you know, fasting is something that really all religions can, can almost agree on. I mean, we could almost have world peace if we could all fast together because, you know, the Muslims have Ramadan. Uh, the Jews fast regularly. Christians, Jesus told us to fast. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, so historically there's a lot of ground for fasting as well. So, so this book not only has the, the, the literature in it from scientific stuff as well as our calculations and what backs this. It also has historical things as well, anecdotal. We've got former All-Americans pro players that started fasting during two-a-days in the NFL, and they're saying, yeah, I had the same experience. And so Jeremiah Castile you know, comes in the book talking about his experience. So <clears throat> it's kind of neat how the different ingredients come together, and there are there's a lot of scientific calculations, but there's a lot of just anecdotal, you know, and also historical and religious and it just fasting just makes sense. You know, I, I, I had to write a, an article real quick the other day and I said, I said, you know, math teaches us it's time to add sometimes and it's time to subtract. <clears throat> and I said, you know, we've everything since, since most people have something to sell and I'm not trying to, you know, make those people bad that, you know, try to sell something, but since most people have something to sell, We've been doing a lot of addition, trying to get healthy. You know, maybe it's time for us to do a little subtracting. It just makes sense. Whatever goes up has to come down. So we've been adding protein. We've been adding pre-workout drinks. We've been adding branched-chain amino acids. Most people don't know what the branched-chain means. And we've been adding, adding, adding that. But for all that addition, we're, we're, we're more obese than ever. We're sicker than ever. And it just may be time to do some subtraction. There are a couple of things we've touched on here that I'm curious about. Uh, one, actually, both might be able to touch on this. So, because uh, Phil, you said like you tried it with the kids too. Like, that's one thing that I'm curious about. Like, hey, at what age? Like, because I noticed even like my oldest son is two and a half, and some days he doesn't even want to eat before noon. Like, as it actually pretty much exactly example that you gave there. Uh, so I was curious, just even whether anecdotally, whether through the research, what you found out to be out even just adolescence in general. You know, I'm gonna Phil. I'll, I'll let you talk about your kids because number one we do not recommend it for kids because none of none of our testing was was on you know children so it's that for somebody to do that would be totally off label and my general thought on kids is they're spending so much metabolic uh you know currency on growth and you know just trying to stay healthy and stuff like that that i generally would say i don't recommend that for kids okay and, and, and Dr. Mara, yeah, I didn't want to mean it to seem like uh, forcing kids to do so. But I mean, sure, I just sure. noticed like that my son, he just sometimes doesn't want to eat. And like, and it's one of those, there's no way for me to force him to eat either. Uh, sure, just sure. I, That was something I was just curious if you had even come across uh, just with any of the research at all. You know, one of the things that we, we did look at was probably the, the way that we, we have evolved, um, the way we've grown as, as a species. 
is historically we did not have refrigerators. I mean, you know, whether you believe uh, in 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 godly evolution or ungodly evolution, you just believe it all happened. What whatever we all kind of agreed that the the first men and women on this earth probably did not have refrigerators and, and pantries full of you know rice krispies, and so <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I don't have any stocking rice krispies. I, I don't. I just pick it. But anyway, um, so we did. We, the point is, Phil and I talked about we di- we didn't just wake up and pour ourselves a bowl of cereal with some stuff, and we we had to go and hunt and or gather, and even as we became more agricultural in civilizations, you still had to go out and and hunt. Maybe you slaughtered the cow, or you know maybe you got the eggs from the chickens. You still had to go do some hunting gathering, and still in most farming communities. People may not do a whole 17-hour fast. Remember, the 17-hour fast is really meant to be like a once-a-week reset or a twice-a-week reset for people. Uh, I do it pretty much every day because it just feels good now. But but our point was these people, my granddad had a farm, and you know we'd go out, we'd wake up in the morning, we'd go out and knock out some chores, and then we'd have a little you know breakfast, really more like brunch, like, like 9 or 10. So just, you know. And that was basically after a workout, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'd been out really going at it. So. Just historically, we, you know, the, our ability to to have food readily available and the technology that's been there for transportation, for keeping it cool, and and of course, you know, unfortunately, all of the preservatives that are now in the food, that has outpaced our, our biological ability to evolve, and it just makes sense. So I, I think I think you know we've outpaced it, and therefore we we suffer from this. It was really interesting, and and. Phil, I'll let you talk about this a little bit more. We, we, we dug in. My wife found found how we got the phrase, you know, breakfast is the most. What's the rest of that line? It's the most. Important meal of the day. Important meal of the day. Phil, t- t- tell them where that came from. That is a good one. So it was this, um, in quotes, health magazine that was, that was run by none other than John Harvey Kellogg. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you might recognize and, the name and, there, I guess, right? And, and so, yeah, it's a little, um, a little propaganda. And then we actually found out, and again, not to mention any names, but one, I believe it was the Post Serial Company. And goodness knows Frank, Frank loves his grape nuts, so we're not bashing Post. But, uh, <laughs> but they actually then, so this, this original article, I believe, is um, around 1918. And then about 30 years later, the post cereal company really cottoned on to this idea of the most important meal of the, the day and uh, paid some doctors to say uh, that scientifically that this was accurate and they they had this whole massive advertising campaign around it. And so it really just took hold. And, and obviously any time that 51% or more of people in a group or in a society believe something, then it's kind of an accepted uh, in quotes truth at that point. And so, again, without trying to go through conspiracy theory, we just looked at this, uh, you know, when this phrase was first introduced and then again in the 40s and 50s when it became became kind of a staple of first one cereal company's advertising campaign and then others. And then it really just took hold culturally and then, you know, became the kind of truism that your grandparents and then your parents would drill into you. And so, yeah, it just became one of these Oh well, that's just the way it is, you know. Just the, these accepted truisms. So, so t- now today, on the one hundredth year anniversary, we are now bashing it. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll I'll say this, Nick. Um, you know, and, and we always need to go back to our homework. At least in America and, and somewhat worldwide, we were going through two world wars. We were going through a depression, a dust bowl, and uh, people back then were were or disease and dying of malnutrition or, 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 you know, or lack of nutrition. And so having, you know, vitamin fortified and, and calorie fortified cereal was a great thing then, you know? And so we're not there here to bash it, but what we're looking at now is in our country that we're dying of macronutrition. And, and the book points that out, I mean, statistically. And so, we're not here to bash Kellogg and Post. I mean, what they did back then was truly great stuff, right? Um, and and they probably saved a lot of lives, definitely enhanced a lot of lives. But but now the cereal that is so fortified is 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 killing us. And so it's just you know 
it's a different perspective. It's a different time. And, uh, you know, we're not here to bash on a hundred year anniversary, but it is interesting to have a historical reference there. Okay. We've, we've dived into, or we've been diving into a lot of nutrition here, but it seems like the book is just going to be more than that. I mean, you've talked about just faith being behind it, like emotions, like you can tell the emotion just in your story that you talked about, like, uh, losing your friend to cancer. I mean, if you wouldn't mind just like talking about just some of what else this is all about, because I'm like you said, it's, this is following a daily rhythm. This isn't just about nutrition. I mean, there's going to be so much more to it than that. Phil, you, you want to feel that or you want me to take it or go ahead, buddy. You know, you know, I think the over, I think the bigger picture here, if I can really say that is that this whole universe, um, when it was created, no matter who created it, no matter how people believe it was created, it was created in a, in a very incredible way. It's an invention, the human body. I've, I've been practicing medicine for almost 20 years and we, we're just scratching the surface. I mean, we're, we, we pat ourselves on the back, but we're just scratching the surface. You know, in a hundred years, they'll look back at stuff we did now and be like, really? And so, <laughs> and it happens and, every mean, hundred years. That's the amazing part of it. It, it is. And, and I hope we keep on growing and we can say that, but I strongly believe, and, and I, I believe in God. I've got great friends that do not. I, one thing we've all got to believe is that this universe is really, really incredibly synchronized. So, you know, Pluto's, synchronized with another uh you know another planet and all the heavenly host up there um and and we are part of that we are part of that um the way the way tryptophan which is an amino acid way tryptophan is converted into serotonin once you see light it goes through the eyes you know and you see pineal gland and all the stuff i don't really understand fully but it's then converted into serotonin which is you know some people will call it a quote happy hormone it 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 makes us awake. It makes us happy. If people aren't happy enough, they take medications to increase their serotonin. So, so I can get up in the morning. I can see the sunrise. I can, my body can make its own serotonin. Well, when I see the sunset, that same serotonin molecule can be now converted into melatonin, and which is everybody knows it makes you sleepy. So, the book really, really celebrates, if you will, the universe and the synchrony and the choreography of the whole universe and the fact that we really should remain a part of that. And, and, and we've had incredible technological advances with phones and computers and light and electricity, you know, but the thing is, have we been wise in our utilization of those? And so we know that people that work night shifts all the time, don't live as long as people that you know, work day shifts. So the more unsynchronized we get, the sicker we become. And so, in an essence, this 17-hour fast is a big, huge reset button once a week for people to push. And so, you know, at 6 o'clock at night, if you can get home, and there's no hard and fast rules to this. It's a, it's a concept. It's a book written to educate people to stimulate their own research and their own investment in themselves and their friends and their family. And, and so, at 6 o'clock at night, you know, you get home and you hopefully cook a meal together. And you cook a really good meal, but you also, you know, put on some classical music or whatever you want. You don't have the TV going. You don't have iPads and other things going. All the kids are playing. You know, you start enjoying each other. You start investing in the people that really mean something to you. And, of course, I'm talking about wife and kids because that's my, but other people have friends. And, you know, you know what I'm saying. So to really cherish that time together and slow down and then enjoy, enjoy slowing down and eating that meal and, you know, one of the biggest things we can do to just increase our health is chew more, you know? So simple things like that, drinking more water, enjoying what we have, the blessings of what we have, reinvesting in ourselves and the people that are important to us. Then the night after, you know, we call it the spa night because we really want you to, you know, just kind of enjoy a night, hopefully with you know TV and, and no blue light and, you know, and, and maybe you want to watch a movie don't make it a violent movie. Don't make it a movie that's going to stir up your emotions. Make it a good movie. Um, my, my wife and kids and I have gone back and gotten the old Little House on the Prairies because we just like that. So that's the one we watch a lot on our on our nights before. And it's just a slower, better thing for us. Everybody's got their own thing. And then you start moving into your sleep hygiene. So instead of going night and nothing, working on a project, and then turn off the lights and feel like you're, you know, your body's supposed to be a robot to turn off as easy as you can turn on. No, 
we've got to gradually get into that. If you can go outside and watch the sun sit during that time, play a guitar or just listen to, you know, whatever, but make it a nice thing. And as you go from the really good sleep hygiene that is talked about in the book, going into hopefully very, very productive sleep. Um, and we talked about that a lot. We give a little overview of sleep and how important it is. And then the next morning, it's a, it's a time for, once again, investment in, in yourself, investment in those you love. And we haven't put a part in there because there's a lot of great research talking about, you know, people are really want to make themselves better. And that's the reason self-help books sell a lot of uh, 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 copies. But, you know, there's, a, there's an overwhelming amount of studies that show that people that help themselves the most are the people that help others. You know, when we focus on ourselves, we really don't improve ourselves as much as when, pe- when you focus on somebody else. And there's overwhelming amount of data. So in that morning, the next morning, we, we do want some self-actualization, self-investment. But we even tell people to go, you know, step further and, and work on some people that maybe they know in the community, maybe a little older couple down the street, whatever. Does, you know, it doesn't have to be something great, but just trying to see if they want to get more involved in their community somehow or, you know, something because that's really, you know, from a scientific point of view, that's really where people start to grow as an individual. Uh, by investing in others, actually, you're investing in themselves. And then we finish up with, with a nice tapered post-fast meal celebration. And, and I'll go back to something that's really interesting. Most diets and exercise routines and everything else that do actually have a short-term gain, we study those, and at the two-year mark, a lot of them had long-term losses. So we, we at Vitality Pro have tried to make a two-year benchmark for ourselves, kind of the tortoise versus the hare, and to see if things really can change the needle in a lifestyle. So the interesting thing about 79 or Fast is we had to find something that was a lifestyle, something that was sustainable. So we found this study that showed that 83% of Americans skip at least one breakfast a week. So, but, but they did it to their detriment because they had binge eat before and after or go get a candy bar when they broke, you know, when they, after they did eat something. So it was, it was the nastiness or the, or, or the, you know, the, the kind of trashiness on both ends that, that didn't work for them. But we, we looked at that different, you know, you heard the expression, one man's junk is another man's treasure. Well, you know, we looked at that data and said, there's a sustainable lifestyle, you know, and it matches some of the other stuff we got. So we know 83% of people are already doing it. Let's just clean up. Let's just clean it up for them a little bit, and uh, so so we know they can sustain it. And the great thing about 17-hour fast is the people that have been doing it for you know we we've now had some people doing it for 15 years or more. It is sustainable because you don't have to do it every day, and you don't have to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. It's something you can do once a week or twice a week, or you can skip a week if you want to. But when you think that you you know, uh, physically, mentally, socially, spiritually, or whatever, need a reset button. There's your reset button. There's a there's a great 17 hours, and and it, and that's the whole. I guess the 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 parody is that most people think of fasting as as this horrible thing that you're going to be miserable, but once people do this a few times, most everybody just continues doing it and gets kind of addicted. I, I feel I'll let you talk about. I mean, a little bit more. You. You, you really weren't excited about doing it when you first heard about this, right? I, I, uh, again, I just like to eat, you know, and so, <laughs> and I like to work out and I like to be, um, you know, top of my game, you know, if I'm writing or if, you know, even Frank, when we were doing the interviews for the book, you know, I like to be on my game there. So yeah, sure. Like my caffeine and, uh, also just had this misconception that to be adequately fueled that I would have to. You know, again, and it was partly, you know, good stuff like almonds and pumpkin seeds and fruit and everything else between meals. But also I'm someone that struggled to to keep weight on through the years, particularly with exercising in college, playing two sports, um, you know, and so struggle to keep weight on and struggle to, to, to not drop good body weight. And so I thought, man, if I start this, am I going to be go down to like you know, 135 pounds or something and just waste away. And so, yeah, I definitely had a lot of uh, misconceptions, both in terms of uh, of body weight and muscle mass and this kind of thing. And um, and it, it, through this, you know, again, to bring it back to Brandon, well, I started to look at 
look at his uh, his evidence, and, and Frank talked me through a little bit of how he, uh, you know his journey with the fast, and Brandon as well shared he was able to to not just keep on his lean muscle, but put some on, and he's a lot bigger and stronger and faster than both of us, right, Frank? And so I thought, well, if maybe if Brandon doing it and seeing some results I can do this but yeah still I was very skeptical and um yeah viewed it as kind of this privation thing that was going to lay me low and oh maybe I won't be able to write while I'm doing this maybe I won't be able to exercise but again if we would just get out of our own way occasionally mentally um and stop holding ourselves back with our preconceptions and and uh to 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 Frank's point, and one good thing about Brian McKenzie as well, or many good things, but this one is that he's always willing to to be become his own experiment. And so similar to what we did with Unplugged, you know, where we 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 try to do say a twenty four or a thirty six hour tech fast once a week. Why not combine that with uh, with the actual seventeen hour fast, the food fast, and, and and see if we can even get greater benefits. And so yeah, once I. Once I'd done it once and realized that all of those preconceptions were in fact false and I hadn't dropped down three weight classes or something like that and I, <laughs> and I could perform at a high level with my, my research and interviewing and writing, then it started to become clear that really the only thing that was holding me back there was, again, just my my attitude and my, my preconceptions, which were false. No, I think you guys both bring up some awesome points with this because I, I, I found even for myself, like, uh, when training, like especially still for just for strength athletics, like strongman, I I actually can fast before workouts if I want. Like as long as they're not too early in the morning, I feel good. Like too early, I just don't feel great lifting really heavy. But other than that, uh, the fasted workouts, and I mean, I don't necessarily like Phil. You do a little bit more endurance sports, but uh, I, I I think anything like that, it, it can still be a very applicable thing, and you should still be able to function as long as everything else is dialed in. And I think that's what's awesome. Uh, Dr. Mayor, about what you just talked about, like I, I don't know if everybody even realized, like you took us through an entire day there uh, that seems just very simple to do, and you can really apply to a- any routine. You can bring it into your life very easily, and that's an important thing because so many diets right now, like you said, there's always going to be this catch, this hook, like the thirty pounds in thirty days, the uh, this is the, the the grapefruit diet, like the whatever the hell it is. But if you can make it simple, and if you can apply it to bringing everything else in with the sleep, just with the the being grateful, I mean, for your food, but also being able to help other people out. I think that is really what makes a diet not only work, but stick because you have so many more um, just amazing emotions tied to it. And you can really feel good, not just about what you're eating, but I think just your entire life in general. So thank you guys for sharing that. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. You know, you know, I'll say one thing that, uh, you know, what's neat about like Brian McKenzie and we talk about different people we like and I can I can feel it in you, Nick, as well as there, there's there's some people that are very, you know, um, they're very satisfied in life. And I should probably be more satisfied than there's those of us that just always have to have more. We got to grow and we got to push ourselves. And, and, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the, the feel I like to be around. I love working out with the Navy divers that are all 20 years old and they're coming through our, our, our dive school here and they just kick my teeth in. <laughs> and, and you know it's really funny because you know we hear about people that that work out harder and they match it with their recovery like lebron james you know sleeps you know like 10 11 hours when he's off you know when he's off season training he's increasing his training and that's very smart because once again you got your you know you got your you know 30 minutes or two hours you're training but have you really perfected all the recovery of the 22 or 23 hours you know i think one of the things that people miss is the fact that you want to be in a growth and recovery phase in life. And that's, once again, that's physical, that's mental, that's social, that's spiritual, it's everything. It's truly holistic. And the fast, I'll I'll touch on one thing too, is the fast will put you in a parasympathetic tone, which is nice and relaxed, low blood pressure, low heart rate. You can, you know, you can really recover. I'll touch on something kind of a little more metaphysical, but, but it's really who we are. Fasting is a great way to stay humble. And, I found in my life, of course, my dad being a, a, a preacher growing up, he he made me memorize scriptures and stuff like that. And but you know, I always learned pride goes before the fall. You know, if you're prideful, you're usually about to screw up. And when you're humble, you're you're usually you know reevaluating and growing. You know, and we can either wait for this up and down cycle in life of of, of success and pride, and then the failure and the humility, and we can be on this roller coaster, or we can self-govern a little bit and 
you know, I'm in my 40s, which is kind of a fun time in life usually for most people because you got enough health, you got a little bit of money in your pocket, you, you know, your, your job's okay. And it's real easy to, to screw up in your 40s or 50s because of the pride. And so when people look for a way to self-govern themselves and keep a little humility, you know, what better way than, than to be fasting and be a little hungry and to self-deny your, you know, yourself of everything that you, you could give yourself. And there's nothing more basic than, than fasting. And, and I really like that hunger mindset. We talked about that, Phil, and I'll get you to extrapolate a little bit. But the hunger mindset is one of growth. It's one of I won't challenge. It's, it's, it's one that I'm, I'm ready to keep on being a student. I still want to be coachable. And it's just something, like I said, some people don't want to be hard pushers going forward. Um, they, they're, they're satisfied, and maybe I should get become a little more. But... Phil, you know, talk about the hunger mindset a little bit because we talk about physical, how this thing works and makes you, you know, makes you stronger and more muscles and all that kind of stuff. But just talk about that if you don't mind. But um, a key point that you made there was about subtracting and what you said earlier, I really like that. It was kind of a mic drop moment. I think we were like, okay, I'm out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, silliness aside, I think that... Um, we are always told that we have we have to do more, right? Oh, we've got to got to fit more work in. We've got to, you know, if you just do take this approach, you'll be able to get, you know, it, it, we kind of start taking this either efficiency model like this Henry Ford efficient assembly line model to our lives, where oh, every little thing, you know, we need to transition quickly between activities. And um, one of the people that's been uh, been influential with me, and I know on you too, Nick, was uh, is Carl Honore, who wrote the, the excellent book In Praise of Slowness. And I find it very hard to, to go slow because in my work, I like, I like to get all caffeinated and bang out a few thousand words and, you know, really create that environment to focus. And, um, and so to create that kind of efficiency thing, but, you know, Carl talks about taking time with your meals. So as Frank said, there's a a physical or physiological benefit to chewing your food more to uh to breaking bread with friends and family to this kind of thing to to not be checking your phone at the dinner table like will ferrell in those uh device free dinner you know those kind of funny <laughs> funny little videos but um to really um and if you do take your time with those kind of things to enjoy the good things in life well you're going to be able to fit less in quantity wise but the quality level is going to go up and you're going to enjoy people more and enjoy um, enjoy things like music. You know, I remember a music professor in college said, when um, when was the last time you actually listened to a song or heaven forbid, a whole album or a piece of music just for its own sake? You know, it wasn't just background noise. And how often do we do that? Or how often do we take a walk and, and not rush to get where we are because we've overscheduled ourselves to really take time. And again, this is kind of connecting it back to unplugged, but really to get outside in nature and be unplugged and just take our time with it. You know, go for a paddle without taking a watch with us or a phone that's going to beat when we need to get back to something. And so to do less, but to do it better and, and to fully immerse in it more and to do it with more gratitude and, and fully, um, fully engaged. And I think um, I'm still really struggling. Carl knows this uh, with, with the the slowness con concept and the, the whole slow movement. But um, but I'm trying to, to create more of those those opportunities. Or you know, my wife and I will goof off and go sled on the, the the sledding hill here at the golf course when we get some snow for a couple hours, rather than me just thinking, oh well, I got to bang out this number of words today, that kind of thing. And and that's new, and that's not something that I've I've done in years past. But we sure did it a couple of weeks ago. And so, really, the, how could we video. do less but get video. more out of it? it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, think <laughs> I, I saw the she, picture. She of almost too. broke her broke her tailbone, and I think uh, I think I'm still battered and bruised now because that's a cheap four dollar sled from Walmart that that's about I don't know a few millimeters thick. So you feel it, but it it was sure worth it. And we got in four days in a row, and. And so, yeah, I, I got a few less articles done or made less progress on a book or whatever. But but it, it was probably the best uh, time fun wise I'd had uh, since the lake froze and I wasn't able to paddle. So, yeah, do less, but do it better and do it more richly. You know, and that's the beautiful thing is, you know, everybody wants to supersize everything. You want a bigger truck, you want a bigger sandwich, you want everything, you know, especially in America. Oh, gosh, you know, and and and, and that's not always wrong. But I guess the thing is let's pick quality over quantity 
and I'm in a field where we measure the success of somebody's life by the by the mere number of years they lived. Let's start looking at quality of life. You know, Jason um, lived seven years, but man, he he fulfilled his purpose greater than most people will. You know, the, you know the 78.8 here in America. Um, I mean, he really dug in hard, and 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 you know he he lived better, he loved better, his faith, his purpose. You know, I told somebody just yesterday in the ER, they're talking about you know they're really consumed, the people are consumed and anxious about dying, um, that it, especially at young levels nowadays. And I said we need to spend less time being consumed with something that's for certain. There's, there's one way to get off this planet, and that, that's death. And, and so it's going to happen. So let's not angst over that. Instead, shouldn't we be consumed with the quality of our lives and, and those we love and, and ha- how we make this world a little bit better place um, th- than we found it? And, and so let's not be worried about just the number of years and, 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 and be anxious about death. Let, let's start really focusing on how we live. And making that great and that's if i could say you know you know one of the things we talk about a lot is is that we want to have an abundant life and it we want to have faith love and purpose and that's something we say a lot in our family and, and i think this book is really a celebration of life and you know we don't have, everybody, everybody doesn't have to do the, the cookie cutter 17 hour fast you know we're not going to penalize them for doing 13 or doing 18. the point is if they can, like I said, if it can educate them, if it can stimulate them, if they do some more research and they find a way to to invest back. And Nick, I'll tell you an interesting story, and, and I'm not saying this to push my faith on anybody, but one night I was sitting here trying to hammer out, because I've never written a book and, and Phil knows that I'm incapable of such, but thank God for his <laughs> talent. I was, supposed to, I was supposed to leave the dinner table and come upstairs and, and break, be a total hypocrite, be a total hypocrite. And come up here and outline um, the next chapter for interview with Phil the next day for two hours. And so I'm about to start the 17-hour fast. And we're sitting down there. My wife's made a meal, my two boys, and we're all joking, having a great time. And my two boys are about to go play. And I said, I got to go upstairs and knock this thing out. And my wife just kind of looked at me as as good good wives and friends do. And we're like, you're really going to break the very thing you're writing about? And so I stayed downstairs and I think faith and values and life lessons, no matter what those are, I think there's not enough time for us as people to give those to other people that we love, whether that be family or friends, and we don't have the time and we don't, we don't do it. And it's probably the most important thing we can do, regardless of, of, of what people's beliefs are. I think we need more time to, to transfer that to the people we love and just let people know we love them. And, um, you know, so my boys and I, I stayed down and I figured I would just, I would just, um, you know, go once everybody went to sleep, I'd go upstairs and knock that thing out. Well, my boys discussion turned a little more serious, but just asking the stuff about our, our belief system. And anyway, that night they both decided they wanted to, to follow our belief pattern, you know, our faith and God. And the very next day, we went out front, and, and, and they were baptized in, in the ocean out here in front where the grandparents came down and stuff. And once again, the point isn't about the the, the, the Christianity or if it's Muslim or if it's whatever. It's the fact that, that this allowed us some time. And this book, whether it sells one book or sells millions of books, it will always be precious to me because it was during the writing of this book that my boys made a commitment and, and said they valued what we valued and wanted to start a role in there. And, and their faith will be somewhat different and they'll grow and they'll mature and they'll adapt it. But, you know, we just got to value life and the people around us and really spend more time loving a little bit, a little more and stuff. And so I think the book in, in essence is just a celebration of living life to the fullest. With you talking about that, with Phil talking about the sleigh riding, I'm excited. We have like two feet of snow coming tomorrow. I, I can't wait to get outside with my boys and my wife go sleigh ride and play with the dogs. Like this is just making me excited for all of this right now. So thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. 
Got to do it because yeah, you could I, do one more great. interview, you know, but it could wait or you could do one more lift. But it's even if we looked at it, probably start breaking it down hormonally, you know, the release you're going to get and going down <laughs> a bloody big hill and having to turn at a certain point before you hit the fence at the bottom of your yard or whatever it is, you know, there's, <laughs> there's that. And then just, uh, yeah, it, there's just something about those simple pleasures. And again, it, um, you don't have to be out training for the skeleton or the luge team or something in the next winter Olympics, but just ha heaven forbid, we actually have some fun, you know, ever that we actually do something just, for, just it. for its own sake, not to be optimizing all the time, you know? That's right. Well, now, now Dr. Mary, you guys, uh, you, you have a football yard or a football uh, field in your backyard, right? Yes. And How I, much and you guys get out boys... and play in that. Yeah, we, we, we're into soccer now, and, of course, it's it, Alabama, over here, Alabama won the national championship, which is our little team, and so I have to – have to. but the thing is, if we win a national championship, I have to keep the yard painted 365 days a year like the Alabama football field. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and, we, and Nick Saban's won five in the last nine years, so I've, had, I've gone through a lot of paint, uh, probably probably over $1,000 of paint thanks to uh, Nick Saban. But um, – yeah, it's, it's really interesting the other day, uh, the, the, you know, I, I was about to go get a workout and the boys wanted to play soccer two on one and my hips are still sore from the <laughs> lateral movement, you know, and I, and I'm, I probably tore a little meniscus or something, but yeah, you know, that was, that, that, that was it, you know, forget the workout, unplug, take the app, watch off, um, you know, forget the deadlines, you know, and just enjoy that time and invest. I can't, you know, we, we, I want to. I want to see some video, Nick. I want to see some video of if you bust and I, I was that Phil. Was that you or Nicole that almost busted the other day on that video? Me, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you would ended up in the ER for sure because you were going fast. Yeah, it was, it, it was a good. Start. I think I'm still bruised now, but it was certainly worth it. <laughs> you know, God forbid that we actually get away from this efficiency model. And, and actually go and enjoy a little bit of living during our life, you know, and that's, and, and we share a little bit with those around us. And, and that once again is, it, it's been a lot of fun. And, and, and I don't know, I've learned a lot from Phil. I've learned a lot from all the contributors, um, learned something from you today, Nick. And, and it's just, it's neat. I hope we continue to do this over the next year or two. Well, I, I think this is a great time to wrap this up because because I could probably ask about a million one more questions on the fasting this and that, um, but I think this is the best way to talk about it. We we've talked about really just bringing this into a fulfilling life, and so I I really appreciate that because I think that can go, uh, and, and just do so much more for people. And I think like your friend shows like hey, this is still living his legacy. I mean, it still is going on and showing that he was also living a fulfilled life. And I think it just carries on and on uh, through all that we're talking about here. So if you guys wouldn't mind sharing, hey, just what you have going on, just anything else you want to share with the audience, where they can find your stuff, uh, or just any parting words, please. Go ahead, Phil. You go. Okay. Um, you know, just that uh, we're going to continue being very, very, uh, coachable and teachable. We want to collaborate with anybody and everybody, whether that be some scientist or doctor or athlete or, or homeless person. Um, I've learned a lot from those guys as I do a clinic for those guys. So it's just all about us. We're all humans and we all try and learn something and share it with others. And with 17 hour fast, we do have a website, 17 hourfast.com. Um, it, 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 you know, we're hopefully going to have a little blog on there for people to share and this book was written for the reader. It was written for the reader. Um, it, it's, it's really for them. It's in honor of, of all the people that thought they couldn't at one time, use the word I can't, and then they tried to just say, okay, I can, I can get up. And, um, and that's kind of Jason's legacy um, is that we had six months and we said, no, we, we, we refuse that and we're gonna, we're gonna go further and we're gonna win. And we did, we won for over seven years and this is the legacy. So, Nick, I, I, I appreciate so much you, you sharing your time and, and your uh, talents and abilities. Let us come on here and hopefully we'll do it again. Nick, I, I would love for you and your family to come to Florida and join us for a Vitality Pro Camp. We'll, uh, we'll do some weird stuff in the pool and, and ice baths <laughs> and in the ocean. And, uh, but you, but uh, thank you so much for your hospitality and, and, and 
just thank you. Appreciate it. And Phil, anything uh, you'd care to share with everybody? No, that's about it. I mean, uh, just really excited to get this book out. And as Frank said, if it, it moves the needle one degree for one person, that's uh, then we really we fulfilled that promise. And um, if it can do that for more people, then then all the better. But yeah, to, to echo what Frank said, thank you so much as always, Nick, for your time and your insightful questions today. Well, excellent, guys. It has been absolute blast, Dr. Frank Merritt. Phil White, 17 hour fast. Everybody check this out. Uh, check it out and enjoy it, embrace it. And I, I'd say live life to the full. So thank you again, guys. Thank you. Hey guys, and thank you for listening to the Bare Naked Health Podcast. If you want to support the show, please head over to iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, give a five-star rating, positive comment. This really helps other people find this show uh, or just share it with your friends. Uh, hopefully, they can get something out of it too. But thank you very much and look forward to talking to you soon. Mm-hmm.